Kiko! You know what that is? You know what that Ribbit! is, Matt? Ribbit! No, that's incorrect. Do you know what my my impression was? What? A migratory bird. <laughs> Which one? An African swallow. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about that. Where it's about five ounce birds, one pound coconuts, and we're gonna talk about all sorts of critters. How's it carry it? <laughs> Could grip it by the husk. <laughs> Dude, I'm watching Monty Python after this episode tonight. It's happening. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Science of Pokemon. I, Professor Collins, with me today is Richmond Don. We have a lovely episode for you ahead. I'm talking all about migratory birds uh, with Dr. Matthew Cam, uh, who studies migratory birds. And we're going to be talking all about their behaviors and how migration works. So go ahead, say it, Don. Let's go to the show. The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out PokecastersNetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Oh, this just in. We got news. News? Not really, though. Not really, though. It was kind of a slow week for Pokemon news. Yeah, Um. real quick, though. I know we all know about it, but I'm still really excited for Pokemon Snap. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, I think it, I ranted about it last time. Pre down, it's it's available now for uh, pre purchase. When does it come out? Uh, I think it comes out in like September. It's it's this fall. Like it's coming out soon. I thought. Oh, I geez. could be wrong. I hope it is. We need it. Um, like, isn't it just called New Pokemon Snap? Probably. Um, like, that I, said, if there's any way to have a battle mode, the listeners square up. We're gonna we're gonna snap off. Yeah, that's the name. The name of the game is literally New Pokemon Snap. Uh, no, it is actually, it's to be determined. So I had heard rumors that it was going to, oh, maybe it's available to be pre-purchased, but with a later release date then. Gotcha. Gotcha. But still, if it's available for pre-purchase, it's probably pretty far along. And the fact that they kept it under wraps this long is pretty great. Uh, yeah, that's one. Uh, go got Sobble. What? I didn't know this. Yeah, I bet you, it it looks like he's probably going to get Grookey too, but yeah. Ew. Yeah. Uh, and then there's that Team Rocket event going on in Pogo. That I didn't know about. I tried it, and my phone, like literally, my I, my wife and I were like, "Hey, you should get a new phone, probably right right about now," <laughs> because my old 6s, and I only use it for like work and you know music. Like, what do I need it for? But I tried playing Pogo, and I'll get like in the middle of a battle, and it will boot me. <laughs> it will just close the app. I'm like, I don't know how to. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I gave up. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got. We got uh, science news. It's been so stupid hot uh, and climate change is impacting Siberia. They have so some of the, like some of the cities way up there in the Arctic Circle. Um, so it's it's insane because what's happening is, is that they are they're like 600 times more likely to have prolonged heat in these areas now. And it's really this like compact with climate change because what's happening is since the water and the permafrost, everything's heating up, like it's just, it's just sitting there. And so they reached like daily, they reached like, like record setting temperatures, like 104 Fahrenheit. Jesus. That's in the, in the Arctic. I'm going to say that's too much. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's kind of scary. It's one of those things where you look at, it and you're like, ah, I, I did hear, I can't remember where I heard it. I heard someone joking about how they're like, oh, we should uh, release some gases into the air and, and block out. And I th- all I could think of was, 
God, the day humans decide to do that is the day Yellowstone erupts. Isn't that exactly um the plot of Snowpiercer? Snow- I was gonna say it's Snowpiercer, yeah. Yeah, that's that's literally Snowpiercer. Yes. The plot of Snowpiercer is real now. Other news though, we don't have a lot of news, but the network's got news. We still have our VGT tournament. Uh we're recording this on a Monday. I am trying to mix it tomorrow morning, first thing in the morning, and have it up tomorrow afternoon. So if you hear this this week. Come play in our VGT tournament on the 25th and 26th. It's for charity. We have so many prizes. Seriously, we're raffling away one of those Worlds 2019 backpacks. Those are the sweetest Worlds backpacks, honestly. They're so cool. It's so great. If people don't start buying tickets, like, I'm going to buy all the tickets. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'll, I'll start throwing down money for that. Like, that is amazing. So it's going to be great, though. I know a lot of you, or a few of you, came and hung out with us on discord with don and i here and we were helping you guys with team building pretty excited to see you guys come play i know for a couple of you it's your first competitive tournament ever or your first competitive match ever (laughs) so it should be fun i'm excited for you guys and we appreciate you guys coming help out with charity stuff so you got anything you want to say about it i mean are you Um, excited uh yeah i'm looking for i'm gonna be doing some commentary you are um yes i figured out a capture card I, i done did it i'm not that good at apparently internet technology but now I got one, so I'm an official e-boy now. <laughs> you and uh, you and Dozer. Yeah, we're going to be commentating. From Pokemon um, Champions Podcast. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. I, I am too. I think you guys are going to do good. And then I have to co- provide light commentary throughout the day Saturday. So that should be mildly obnoxious. <laughs> All right. Let's go talk about birds. Bird time. Bird up. Not, not the Hitchcock film. Not the Hitchcock film. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before I hand this over to Don, who, oh, just like that last episode is going to do such a great job taking the reins here. Birds. Birds. <laughs> They're not real. They're not. Government drones. <laughs> yeah, for also, the past. 5G Corona. Um, the, Please. The moon landing wasn't real. All that. You know, well, I, I didn't mention it in the news, but I'm going to mention it right now because you said that. John Oliver's episode this week um, was on on conspiracy theories tied to the coronavirus. I do recommend everyone watching it uh, just because he talks about why theories like that take off and how susceptible people are. And that ties into a lot of my background in cognition. So I, I would I, I recommend to make it, you know, taking time to give it a watch. Anyways, let's introduce. Uh, so we have Dr. Matthew Cam here. So, Dr. Cam, what is it that you study? Yeah, uh, I've studied a bunch of things uh, over the course of my PhD and now like postgraduate work. Um, a lot of my time was spent on American kestrels, which are small migratory falcons. But I saw one of those sort last of week. The, they're neat. Oh yeah, they're so great. They're they're pretty much my favorites. Um, but I also um, have done a lot of work on sort of diverse assemblages of migratory songbirds, like smaller birds, and trying to understand things about their life history, how they make their living, and how those sort of choices that the birds make, or I guess sort of the ecological niches they've been pushed into, uh, determine which birds do really well as our world changes and which birds do not so great. Womp womp. (laughs) Debbie Downer joke here. (laughs) Okay, so then we brought you on because we're going to talk about like migration. So like, what is migration? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Migration, generally speaking, is a seasonal, long-distance movement between two different areas, at least in terms of animal migration. Human migration is kind of a whole different thing. Uh, but for, for animals, uh, it's a seasonal movement and it's long-distance between two distinct areas. It needs to have both of those components or it's not migration. Uh, there are a lot of animals that just kind of wander. Albatrosses, including the wandering albatross, just kind of wander. There Very are a lot well named of animals. It is. There are a lot of birds like uh, crossbills, which are these kind of wild finches that uh, whose bills have evolved where the pieces cross each other and make an X. Oh, they're specialized for like prying open conifer cones, like pine cones and that kind of thing, to pull the seeds out. Okay, using yeah, girls like I've pliers. Stuff with those fellers. Yeah, but they're like they're nomadic. Nightmares. They they spend the whole. Uh, they, they travel a lot. They fly huge distances every year, but not to any specific places and not at any specific time. They're just following where there's a bumper crop of, of cone seeds. And, you know, the so the migration has to be seasonal and has to be long distance. So if like a moose is munching on a bush and then it walks five feet to munch on another bush, it's not migration. I guess my next question is then, what kind of animals migrate? Yeah, migration coconuts. is like a... <laughs> are you suggesting are, are coconuts you suggesting... migrate? Yeah. Well, they kind of... They kind of do, right? I, was, I, mean, I, I warned Matt. I'm going to bring this up several times during this episode. <laughs> yeah. The, so, so the thing about uh, coconut migration is that it isn't really bidirectional. They like cook palm trees, make coconuts on a certain season, and then they let the coconuts like go wander. But I think coconuts are more nomadic than migrate than migratory. I think it's more more seed like dispersal. Is the um is the yeah. African swallow non-migratory? Well, you know that's a funny question. Actually, there's a lot of swallows in Africa. It is a large continent. Some of them are non-migratory, and some of them are migratory. Well, there you go, folks. <laughs> It's the my I had a I had a teacher once who joked but like not joking that the answer to every question in biology is it depends. That's true, uh, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it really is. But basically pretty much every group of animals has at least some members who migrate. There are insects who migrate, lots of fish migrate, crustaceans that migrate. There are a lot of mammals that migrate, land mammals and sea mammals. There are amphibians that migrate and of course birds. Birds are sort of the most famous like migratory animals. At least in my opinion, I think I get to decide who's famous. Yeah, yeah, you're the doctor here, so yeah, I don't, I don't. Know. I mean, I, I, don't I have know. fish bias, but most people don't think about fish migration other than salmon. I was other than salmon. I mean, do other fish migrate? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, I know like whales and dolphins do. Uh, yeah. But I mean, what I, do you think I, they're following when they migrate? The krill. Fair enough. The herring. Well, yeah, I guess I, th- I, I, I probably understood There's that because I know tarpon and all sorts of goodies. I know crabs do too. Yep. Like, I guess I, I guess I never really think about it as much as I love water. And anyone who knows me is like, oh, yeah, Matt loves water so much that he, he lives owns in Ohio. Like, <laughs> that's, no, I grew up on Lake Erie, though. It's it's different. That was my know, backyard. That's water. Um, it's, it's a big body of water. No, but like I have I mean, there's probably 20 water Pokemon plush up there. Like, I love the water. I, you know, it's but I've never been like a big fish guy. <laughs> so, so I like always forget about fish. Oh, yeah, that's right. Fish are in there, too. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, then why do they migrate? Migration is kind of a weird strategy when you think about it, because it's really energetically expensive. Like it's very tiring and it takes a lot of energy to migrate. Um, and it's really dangerous. So animals kind of have a home court advantage wherever they live. Like they know the area. 
They know the predators. They know the food sources. So picking up and leaving puts them at risk. It puts them at risk from predators and enemies and starvation, and it costs a ton of energy to move this really long distance. So they must be getting something out of it. And the thing they're getting out of it is that they get to take advantage of resources that nobody else is taking advantage of. So they get a huge share of it. Basically, like the tropics are amazing. There's a ton of animal diversity in the tropics. Lots of things live in the tropics. But in the tropics, like pretty much every ecological niche is filled. Competition is really fierce. Uh, There's tons of resources, but there's tons of other life forms trying to take advantage of all those resources. If you go up to or down, depending on your hemisphere, to to the temperate zones, Uh, You find, you know, in a temperate spring and summer, nutrients abound, like there's lots and lots of sunlight, Uh, you know, they get more hours of sunlight in the extreme northern and southern areas at the right time of year than you get. Um, at the at the equator in the tropics and sunlight is the driver of all the energy so you know up in the high arctic when there's tons of sunlight there's tons of life and that tons of life translates to tons of energy and lots of animals want to take advantage of that energy so they make that huge arduous trek all the way up there so that when they really need lots of energy to reproduce they have it they've got more food more resources than they could possibly ever eat shout out to whales yeah yeah whales are, are Big, big migratory creatures, uh, literally big, and also their their migratory behaviors are big, uh, because they can like double their weight. And that's a whale's weight uh, when they go to the rich feeding waters around the poles. Huh. Okay. So, like, how far do they travel, these animals? Hella. Hella is a good description. Sometimes hella. Yeah, sometimes not very. It uh, just like everything. It depends. Uh, Some animals migrate like, I mean, every animal migrates exactly as far as it needs to, basically, because it is very energetically expensive for them. But there are animals like blue jays. Blue jays migrate kind of. They're what we call facultative migrants, which basically just means they, they migrate if they have to. They can migrate, but they don't have to migrate. So blue jays, if they start getting really cold and they start having trouble finding food, they'll migrate, quote unquote, like 50 miles south. And then they'll see if they can stick it out for the rest of the season there. Like they migrate as little as they're possibly able to. Um, and then on the flip side of that, you've got animals that go from the Arctic to the Antarctic Arctic and back turn. every year. I put it in the notes yep. five minutes Arctic ago. Arctic Tern. He's our champion. What? What is this? Talk about it. So the, yeah, Arctic Terns. They're, so picture picture a gull, like the kind of gull you'd see if you went to the beach. Okay. Uh, and pointier. Now, yeah, pointier. Make it, make it smaller, like reduce the size by about half and make everything about it pointier. Pointier beak, pointier tail, pointier wings. Uh, it uses all of those pointy bits to plunge headfirst into the water to catch fish. And they uh, they feed and breed up in the waters around the Arctic. And then they fly to the waters of the Antarctic after their breeding season is done. So this bird lives in an endless summer. Because as soon as it leaves, as soon as the summer ends in the Northern Hemisphere, it flies all the way to the Southern Hemisphere and hangs out around Antarctica. But it's summer down there. So the bird basically just follows the summertime. And, and that's how they make their living. I do huh. love seeing them when they pass through. I live um, on the coast in southwest Florida, so we've got a few turns around. But when I see the Arctic turns for a little bit, it's always neat. Yeah, they. it's nice eating fish because you can just migrate over the ocean and then like stop and get more food to fuel your migration whenever you need to, which is yeah. how they're able to pull off this ridiculous like 8,000-mile each-way round-trip migration. So how long do migrations take then? Hella. Uh, yeah, hella, hella is a good description. Uh, of course, it depends, but um, some some migrations are quite short. They can be done in a week or, or less. 
Uh, some of them are really long. Those Arctic turns obviously take a very long time to fly from the Arctic to the Antarctic. Uh, so they they spend like half the year almost just migrating. But I think the wildest migration is probably the monarch butterfly, which just does just a really bizarre thing that I think is totally amazing. And I feel like people see monarchs all the time and don't know about it. It's like generations to make it each time, right? Yeah. So the way it works is they start in Mexico at the end of the winter. A generation of those 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 butterflies that spent the winter in Mexico fly north to like Texas and the southern US. And then they lay eggs and then they die. And then their babies, those eggs hatch and those butterflies fly north to like the middle of the country. And then they lay eggs and die in the course of one summer. And then their babies fly north to like the northern US and southern Canada. And then those butterflies, which have never seen Mexico, whose parents have never seen Mexico, and whose grandparents have never seen Mexico, then fly all the way to Mexico and spend the winter there. So they're like the winners. They get to do the whole trek. Yeah, they call it the super generation. Oh, good. That's a sweet name. That's and then crazy. that's Mexico. That's where you see the trees that are all draped with uh, all the butterflies and all that. Yep. How, how do they navigate these migrations? And especially if they've never been there. Yeah. In, in many cases, we don't really know. But in a few cases, we do. And with birds, like a lot of the migration science has been done on birds just because bird migration is like super obvious. Uh, so that's what people, people start like birds. So they study them more. <laughs> yeah, they're the best. So they get a lot of attention. But the uh, the things we do know about how they migrate, birds have a magnetic sense. So they've got like iron magnetite compounds in various parts of their head that let them sense the Earth's magnetic field, which is pretty trippy. So they can use that to orient themselves. They use the stars and the sun. This has been proven. Uh, people did experiments where they like set up giant mirrors in birds' aviaries to make it look like the sun was in a different part of the sky than it actually was, and the birds flew the wrong direction when it was time for them to migrate because they were using the sun. They use landmarks a lot like humans do, probably. It's kind of hard to assess if a bird is using landmarks because you can't just like dynamite a mountain and see if birds get lost. Not that that stopped people from dynamiting mountains, but we're I, not sure, like, I think I bet we can. <laughs> how, how do they know where they're going if they've like never been there? It's a really good question. We don't. We don't know. Like many, some species follow their parents, but a lot of species don't. Um, and particularly with like the butterflies I mentioned before, uh, they just apparently have some genetic encoded cue that tells them go south. And then eventually tells them stop here. Uh, we don't really <laughs> like those cues are probably some mix of like the sun and the stars and then it's probably olfactory something that your like ancestors smelled that's some kind of chemical cue in the air that tells you like this is my place that is probably what cues them to settle in but we don't actually know for sure because like if they've never seen it before how do they know they've arrived but they do i should mention that animals do get lost like we like to romanticize their incredible navigational abilities and they are incredible but animals are not infallible any more than humans are. Birds get lost every year. It makes bird watchers like super excited when a bird, you know, gets swept up in a storm or just loses its way and ends up where it's not supposed to be. Everyone comes from around to see the lost bird. People love it. It really does happen all the time. So they're amazing, but they're not perfect. All right. Well, then let's move on to some Pokemon. All right. So first, first Pokemon's. Uh, I was gonna ask about slash bird. It's it's I think it's a shame because it's a really cool bird, but it's oh, a really it's a so really cool. really re- forgettable Pokemon that I kind of was didn't haven't thought about since Gen five. You know what? Um, I, I just want to say, as a water type, I loved it and was so excited for it. And then when I found out how useless it is, oh, right, so you're, we're talking about worse Pelipper. Yes. All right. Yeah. So uh, Swana, which is a 
I believe it's a swan, maybe a mute swan. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, like I, I used a swana uh, because I had like I had to when I was doing a nuzlocke for Gen Five. Like I got issues. Oh, yeah. I'm like looking. I'm looking at the Cerebi page right now to figure out, and I like I just looked at its stats, and like they are unfortunate. They're terrible. It's it's just mediocre in every respect. I'm sorry, swana. Like it's an interesting bird that it's based on. Yeah, mute swans. They're uh, kind Do of your, they your not typical. Vocalize? Is that why the name is? They they don't really. Uh, the only sounds they can make are kind of a grunt and sort of a hiss. Uh, okay. They don't. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't have any kind of voice really. They just make liver sounds. How is swana you know related to to the swans? Like what, what makes them? Yeah, so the swans. Name? Yeah, I mean they're they're big. They're white or mostly white in many cases. There are black swans. Like that's actually a species. It's not a rare. People talk about a black swan as like a really rare thing, but uh, there's yeah, a whole species Portman of was black great swans. In that. Oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> ballet movie. But in the U.S., we've got three swan species: trumpeter swans, tundra swans, and introduced mute swans. They're they're big, they're white, and they're waterfowl. So they've got those webbed feet. M- mute swans have like an orange bill with like a big knob on the front. Swana has that kind of yellow orange bill. The other swans we have have black bills, generally speaking. So, okay. so it makes me think swana is probably a mute swan. Hmm. I feel like that is like when you see like the swan in the park, I feel like that's the classic swan is like the, the orange bill with the white body mute swan. That's- I mean, so yeah. they, 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 they compare pretty well then, like the design like matches pretty well. It does. The sort of like weird bra bralette thing it has going on on its on its uh, like yeah. breast feathers. I don't know what's up with that, but. Uh, oh, it's a ballerina. Oh, Swan yeah. Lake. Why yeah, is it the shine form black though? That's a really good question. It's purple. On, that actually, that's bothering me. That'd be way better if they made it a black swan. It really would. <laughs> I'm writing a letter. Uh, okay, so like, where do where, where, where do like mute swans and swans in general like where where can I find them? Yeah, mute swans you can find at a lot of ponds uh, and rivers. They were introduced really widely in the U.S. as sort of like a fancy estate bird for rich people to like put on their private ponds. We purposely put uh, them out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. We did. We have a lot of birds like that. Oh. It's a little depressing. Swans are, are, we'll get into that, but like, yeah, they introduce mute swans all over the place. Uh, I mean, if you go to England, there's like royal swans. You can see swans queen, along the like Officially the queen own all the swans in like England or something. Yeah, there's a, there's a thing about that. And they're native over there, but uh, not here. But you can you can see them in most in many parks at least. Uh, their mute swans just hang out. They're feral all over, like the eastern U.S. out to the Great Lakes. I got bit uh, by and one spreading. times in Orlando growing up. They're mean. They're yeah. Mean. They're not friendly. Okay, wait. So, like, what's so special about swans then? They're pretty. Well, they are. They're gorgeous. They're really beautiful to look at. Mute swans also like hold their wings up kind of ruffled behind them, which gives them an extra kind of elegant appearance. Uh, they mate for life. They do these courtship dances, which is something they actually describe in like the Pokedex about swana dancing. Huh. Uh, but I think that's more ballet nod, probably, um, which was a, a connection I had never realized before. So thank you. Yeah, that. until we talked yeah. about this, I didn't think about that at all. But now it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I don't know how you guys didn't see that. Um, <laughs> well, so like, but what kind the, of migrations do they make? They they migrate um, basically the feral ones the mute swans that are introduced here migrate not at all they spend they spend all the time they can just like on one pond they're really territorial they'll like stomp on and like grab and bite and drown other birds that like hang out of their pond I've seen some videos of them just like drowning ducks yeah no they um it is it is kind of terrible like people talk about geese. 
there's like the untitled goose game. It's like, wow, that goose is super horrible. Like a swan is like a goose, but much stronger and with absolutely no moral compunctions. It's just a, it's a fancy goose is like all it is. I feel like it's true. Yeah. That's a solid description, but the uh, wild swans our our native swans do undertake a huge migration. Um, the Pokedex says that Swana can fly up to a thousand miles. Our native swans, tundra swans, especially can fly even farther than that. There are tundra swans that will fly from like Northern Alaska where they breed down to like Southern California. They'll Way spend to go, the winter. Tundra swan. Good job. Yeah, they know what's up. Yeah. All right. Well, we got another Pokemon, right, Don? All right. Yep. We got Talo slash Swellow, which are the swallows slash, you know, barn swallows. Um, yeah. So, so what is a swallow? Yeah, swallows are a, a large, very widespread bird family. The the technical Wait, real quick. Um, I'd say to ask real quick because I my grandpa loved these and they were like I always thought they looked similar. Are martins in like the swallow family because they seem super similar? Yes, they are. Um, okay, birds, my grandpa had martins. like a, a ton of purple martin houses and he loved them. And they yeah. always thought they looked like swallows, and I figured they were somewhat related. So funny story about things we call martins. Um, in Europe, like in England, basically, which is, you know, the English speaking part of Europe, uh, they call any swallow that has a square tail as opposed to a forked tail, a Martin. Mm. Um, but in America, land of freedom, we reserve the term Martin for the genus Progni, which is the genus that purple Martins are in. That's Uh, a really cool thing. Yeah. There are swallows here that are not in Progni, which we call bank swallows that also live in England, but in England, they're called sand Martins. Because they don't have forked tails, so over there they're martins, but they're not in the genus. So here they have martins. to have the swallow tail in England to be a swallow. Yes, like the classic swallow shape. Uh, how how are how is t- tailo and swallow like like how are they related to swallows then? Like how do they compare to them? Uh, generally speaking, it's like tailo especially is pretty spot on, like yeah, a barn it's, swallow. It's got honestly, it does look just like one. The forked tail, the red throat, the like blue above, white below, counter shading. It's. it's Right up, it's right there with the swallows, except that it's gruesomely large. It's ridiculously huge, uh, as is swallow. Uh, swallows are like some of the smallest and lightest of, of birds, generally Which speaking. Which is funny because the classification for Talo is the tiny swallow Pokemon. Yeah, that Pokemon's a foot tall and weighs like six pounds. Yeah, it's <laughs> that's bigger than most like eagles, right? Uh, it's getting there. It's it's bigger than most hawks, certainly. Yeah, that's crazy and <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, I mean that. that they they just won't make Pokemon small other than Joltek. I love Joltek. Well, and Joltek's we you know child. we we talked about that like literally that was our first episode. Yeah, is is like how improbable the birds are in the Pokemon world. One uh, right. one question about, I mean maybe I'm just looking at the stuff. Um, are swallows a particularly like fierce for their size kind of bird? You know. Because a lot of the Pokedex for them talks about like gutsy, their abilities are like guts and scrappy. And yeah, I was like, I like, never thought of swallows as a particularly like, you know, hardcore bird, but I was wondering if maybe they were really defensive of their nests or something, or if that's yeah. just a Pokemon flair. It's it's mostly a Pokemon. Like gut swallow was a thing for a while, right? I remember, yeah, you got that flame yeah. orb and all that good stuff. Now they took yeah. away return and now everyone's sad. Pretty much. Screw you, normal types. Normal's overpowered. Uh, and we got PZ. That's true. But yeah, the uh, they're really good at harassing other birds because they're such amazing flyers. Swallows are, are some really of the cool most watch. maneuverable. Yeah, they're some of the fastest and most maneuverable flyers in the bird world. And as any fighter jet pilot can tell you, air superiority is all about maneuverability. It's not about size. And swallows can outfly almost anything. 
So they can harass bigger birds pretty much without consequence. But in terms of like sheer aggression, they're really not all that aggressive. So they're not like a magpie or something like that that's constantly punching above its weight in terms of just aggression. Right. They're not generally, no. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, then, like, where do swallows live? Uh, Pretty much everywhere. It does depend. But there are a lot of swallow species, and swallows, more than almost anything else, we just name them after where they live. So you can just tell where where to find a swallow by its name, right? Barn swallows live in barns. Cliff swallows live on cliffs. Tree swallows live in holes in trees. Bank swallows live in tunnels that they dig in riverbanks. They actually, like, dig with the front of their wings and their face. They're a digging bird. It's a little... A little wild, yeah. But we have burrowing owls near me. I mean, so they're not. Yeah. Do burrowing, burrowing owls dig their own holes, or they just take holes over? Um, they, I believe, they take existing holes over and then kind of modify them. Okay. So they can they can expand them. They they can do some digging, but it's it's kind of wild that bank swallows excavate these things basically with like their faces and their wingtips because their legs are like useless. Yeah. Or very nearly so. I guess my only other question then is like, how you know what is special then about swallows? I mean, they carry coconuts. I mean, Stop if they could grip it by the husk, I guess. I thought it's yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, a swallow could carry a coconut for sure. A swallow could like. carry a coconut if it could fly, which by physics it should. It should, you know, whatever. the The cool thing about swallows, so swallows are what we fancy bird people call aerial insectivores, which means they specialize in catching flying insects and eating them. Um, and they catch them by like swallowing them whole out of the air. So imagine Very if the only way conveniently named animal. It's where they live yeah. and how they eat is like their entire it is. name. Man, you're right. It's true. But like imagine if you could only eat by doing that thing where you toss a piece of popcorn in the air and catch it in your mouth, but you have to do it at forty miles an hour and the popcorn has wings and is trying to get away from you. Awesome. This is why swallows are such good flyers. Well then what kind of migrations do they make? Uh they're they're pretty famous migrants. Um the the swallows at San Juan Capistrano in in uh california is like one of the most famous migrations bird migrations of all time like the the swallows always come back to the same mission to like breed uh, after flying south for the winter um barn swallows for example they'll they'll go usually they'll breed in like the u.s and canada and then they'll fly down to like mexico and south america uh and the pokedex says that Taylor can fly over 180 miles a day uh if it's looking for a warm place to avoid getting too cold which is actually 100% accurate. There was a barn swallow migratory flight, a pretty fast one. Its average speed was 198 miles a day. So that that stat is like surprisingly spot on for like top migration. Every, you know, we, we say this every now and then, like, you know, every now and then there's something in there like that where you're like, uh, God, you guys are like, well, that was really, uh... yeah, every now and then there's something in there where you're like, whoa, that was to the T. I think we, we made the joke when Jared was on here last that like, I think that there's someone who works with them who knows a lot and every now and then they get specific and they want to like do a shout out to an actual living creature. And then every now and then they're like, oh, I just combine all these damn things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that's what, 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 what is going on. Um, okay. Are swallows and like swifts in the same family or is that just like a similar sort of little speedy bird? They are not closely related. It's convergent evolution. Okay, yeah, Swifts are hummingbirds. Swifts are giant hummingbirds, basically, genetically huh. speaking. How about that? We don't so have kind of like Pokemon, do we? No. Overdue. Way overdue. Way overdue, right? Yeah. So is a dolphin. What? Come on, guys. Oh, Lucas, is dolphins. A, Lucas isn't here. He can't yell at me about the dolphin thing. Hummingbirds <laughs> are better. Dolphins. I hope we get a I don't trust them. <laughs> They've stolen fish from me. I don't trust them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right 
All right, let's go on. We got some more. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about Pelipper. Everybody's is- favorite big beaked bad boy. Uh, it's a toilet, but that's okay. Hey, it. <laughs> hey, don't. Pelipper was straight up zero to hero, okay? Up until it got drizzle, Pelipper was an utter joke. Oh, and now, 100%. Pelipper, as soon as it got drizzle, drizzle, it cut multiple international championships in its first year. I like Pelipper now. Yeah, you're going to do a rain team, you go to Pelipper, right? Yep, that double I mean, dog, bro. Uh, Oh my god, why can't I think of his name right now? Polytoad. Polytoad is doing good again. Polytoad is objectively better than Pelipper. But oh, now, you know what though? One of them kills Rillaboom and one of them gets murdered. So, point Pelipper. Fair Can't enough. That. Rillaboom is kind of a thing right now. All right, so Pelipper uh, But Pelipper is, is based based on a pelican, yep. Yep. Um and <laughs> I know in Florida we have like a, we have the brown and the white and as far as I understand, the brown pelican doesn't really seem that migratory. At least for me, I seem they stick around. But the white pelicans migrate a pretty good bit, right? Yes, they do. The American white pelicans that you see in Florida, uh, they breed in like southern Canada and the northern U.S. Uh, there are fewer on the Great Lakes. Uh, they breed there. They breed inland, which is funny because you think of them as ocean birds, but yeah, you, they I've breed on freshwater. Yeah. Okay, so like for those people who don't know, what is a pelican? Like, how is Pelipper a pelican? Yeah, so pelicans are seabirds that uh, have big wingspans, big bodies, and huge freaking bills with White stretchy are massive. throats. Yeah, they're really big birds, um, but they've got these big stretchy throat patches under their uh, under their lower bill, their mandible, as you will. Uh, and those pouches can expand to hold large amounts of water or fish, uh, and they they usually eat fish. Yeah, and they um sometimes they'll eat like pigeons and rats because they're gluttons and they desire to kill. Yeah, like you most seen, birds, seen, they'll take. Yeah, you've seen the the yeah. pelican and like it's like in like Central Park. There's a kid feeding pigeons. The pelican just like walks over and just scoops one up. So then Pelipper oh, yeah. is like the Pelipper is like the exception then because it's like smaller than an actual pelican. Funnily enough, it is. Yeah, real pelicans. Oh, I mean, it? it's still stupidly heavy. Like Pelipper is three oh, times as heavy. heavy as the biggest pelican, but it's smaller. Pelipper's like four feet tall. Most, like, the biggest pelicans are, are more than five feet. Like, they're Is the huge white pelican birds. the biggest, or what's the biggest pelican? I think the Dalmatian pelican is the biggest one. Ooh, I looked that up. Okay. American white pelicans are quite big, but they're not the world's biggest. The, those, okay, those, yeah, Dalmatian's the biggest. Yeah, dead on. They've got, like, I'm a 10-foot wingspan. Oh, my. That's yeah, terrifying. I'm, I'm pictures. That thing is massive. It's Mediterranean to Taiwan. That's cool. So like yeah, see man, like this is why we need we need more like regional variants. Like I now want a ten foot tall Pelipper. I don't. <laughs> that would be awesome. So like, where do pelicans live? You know, like what's you know, and and what also is special about them? Uh, they're really good at catching fish, and they live where they can catch fish. Uh, they eat other things too, like pigeons and small children and rats. Not really the children, but uh, they'll they'll like steal food, like gulls do sometimes. Uh, but mostly they eat fish, and they're really really good at it. They live on lakes where they breed, or the ocean where they often spend the winter. They can work together as teams to like herd fish. Um, sometimes they'll even cooperate with cormorants. So if you have high hopes for your like pelipper cormorant doubles team uh don't because it's a terrible idea but they'll be really good at catching fish i actually um um, i have seen that um i have a buddy who is a very 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 hardcore like duck hunting enthusiast and um i went out with him one morning just to see what it was about and we saw it was in the winter we saw probably 150 white pelicans make like a crescent moon shape and just slowly swim like into the shallows and i assumed that they were hurting some fish or something but it was awesome to see 
yeah, they're almost certainly working together to herd the fish. And they also have built-in airbags, which is a really cool thing. They've got these like air pockets under their skin that lets them dive down and hit the water without giving themselves like massive internal trauma. And it also helps them float. Ooh, that's cool. Do gannets have that too? Is that a gannet thing? Yeah, gannets gannets are even more intense. Uh, Like the gannet and booby family, uh, they're like probably only exceeded by the woodpeckers in the like sheer ridiculousness of their engineering to survive high-speed collisions. Okay. Yeah, I remember it was like, I think it was a planet Earth. We saw gannets and pelicans just diving super, super intensely. So like what kind of migrations then do pelicans make? Uh, Brown pelicans, yeah, as Don alluded to, often don't migrate. They just live kind of in the warm tropics and subtropics all year round. Uh, White pelicans do migrate, yeah, usually from inland freshwater to like nice coastal areas that don't freeze. Because when the water freezes, pelicans are totally out of luck. So they migrate away from where the water freezes up north in like big inland lakes uh, down to the ocean where it stays warm and they can still fish. Yeah, we like, yeah, I definitely only see, I feel like I only see white pelicans. I feel like I don't really see them in numbers here until probably like November, December. But brown pelicans just live around boat ramps and beg for dead fish. All right, uh, let's talk. We got one more. We're going to talk about starly, uh, which is a starling or a white cheek starling. What's a starling? Wait, wait, can we talk about the North American Acclimatization Society and why we have starlings? Oh, God. Yeah, sure. Wait, what? What? So we've got starlings um are completely absent from the americas or they should be like evolutionarily they don't occur anywhere on these continents in the early 20th century some some rich dudes in new york were like let's give this nature some culture and we're like let's introduce every bird that's mentioned anywhere in shakespeare to the new world the plot so behind just, it is so ridiculous i love it what? but it's also terrible they what? just imported every bird that shakespeare ever mentioned and just let him go just took some bird cages out to central park and just released all the birds isn't that that's why terrible. we have some of the like partridges in the west is that how we got like chuckers and stuff no that's just hunting people that's like just, to hunt we wanted, we wanted those okay yeah uh ring pheasants same deal for the most part but yeah but the the starlings took off like most of the birds just died because this is not where they're supposed to be but European starlings established themselves very well. And from that that misguided, let's introduce all the birds in Shakespeare to Central Park, the European starling is now found all across the country. And they I have like the ones with those giant, like you see those videos of the giant dramatic flocks doing all those stuff. Those are only, those are starlings, right? Yes. Or like, yeah. So you need a flamethrower to keep the population in control. <laughs> you you're, know, not, you're, not, you're not really going to get them one at a time. <laughs> Ironically, in their home range, they're decreasing. Their populations are declining. And like they're trying to figure out how to save them. And here they're like a, a plague. Net a bunch and send them back. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because moving wildlife around never has never any bad goes, never, As a person in Florida, I can confirm that it always works. We, with our luck, we'd probably introduce like some kind of plague from the Americas. Yeah. To the, and then we'd kill the European population even more dead pretty much all right so then like how is starly related to starlings you know how, how does it compare yeah if you look at starly's design it's got that kind of narrow long beak that starlings use usually for eating invertebrates they're they're big like they eat some waste grain like corn and wheat left out in the fields but mostly they eat bugs uh, and that long bill is like tweezers for grabbing bugs it's very good they've got that little kind of compact body short wings and the white face which is Pretty much exactly what white-cheeked starlings would have, which would be the most familiar starling probably to a lot of Japanese folks. Okay. So, like, where do they live? 
Starlings are interesting. So it's, it's a, first of all, starlings are a huge family. They're distributed all across Eurasia and Africa, tons and tons of different species adapted for lots of different living conditions. But like European starlings have shown, a lot of starlings are really good at living around people. They're happy to eat bugs and, you know, agricultural waste, like I said, and they gather in like giant flocks. So they, they tend to go places they can congregate. And in cities, they can often be safer from what would otherwise be nasty predators that would come after them. There's lots of nooks and crannies and crevices for them to hide in. Uh, so the best place is if you're in the U.S. to see starlings is a city. And you'll see those huge, like, rippling flocks around sunset, especially. And, that's what, and you see them, like, do those turns and stuff. And Yeah, they're kind of like schooling fish in the air. So what's, like, what's so really special cool. about them? The, the two major things that are special, both of which are kind of alluded to in Starly's Pokedex entries uh, about starlings, is their vocal ability. They describe it as kind of annoying, which for European starlings, I mean, like, fair play. But the, the minas, mina birds, are also part oh, of, like, the Those are the ones that can copy, group. like, anything, right? Don't they have a crazy mimicry yes. skills? They're incredible mimics. And some starlings, many species of starlings, are also amazing vocal mimics, like, better than parrots. Uh, they can copy lots of the sounds that they've heard and reproduce them. And the that sort of, like... Those murmurations, those big undulating flocks, that's a predator defense thing. So it's really hard for predators to single out and catch a single starling from the flock when they move in those huge rippling aggregations. So it helps keep them safe. Uh, and that's something that really very few birds do. Lots of fish do it because they have the lateral line, which lets them actually like not bump into each other. But uh, birds don't have that. So it's a, it's a pretty rare behavior, like that, that huge defensive flocking thing, except starlings do it. They can pull it off. Hmm. Well, good for them. So what's what's uh, what's the white-cheeked starling? That's when we said it's based on, right? Yeah, that's that's the probably the common and familiar starling for in, in most of Japan, especially like Sinnoh. Sinnoh was based on Hokkaido, right? Like the, the far northern yeah. island. Yeah, so starling was the Gen 4 starling, which makes sense because like white-cheeked starlings are all over the place in Hokkaido. Um, and that's also kind of the only place in Japan where they are migratory. Oh, he answered our other question. Look at that. Look at uh, that. So like, okay. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's a good uh, roll on the Pokemon, unless Don has any other questions. Um, yes, so, I mean, I would say Star Raptor, like the final evolution, is probably a far departure from any Starling, I would imagine. It's Very much so, yeah. Yeah, much more bird of prey. Well, it's in the name. Yes. It's a Star Raptor. Do any star. of them have sweet mohawks like it does? <laughs> you know, uh, there are definitely birds that do. <sighs> Birds of prey, like anything that would kind of interfere with your vision or get in your face when you're flying fast and trying to murder something, uh, is not something that birds of prey generally invest in. Yeah, that um, seems counterproductive. Like lappet-faced vultures, like vultures aren't really birds of prey, but like lappet-faced vultures might be the, the closest thing to like a bird of prey that has a weird face. Right. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Alrighty, so we covered the Pokemon bird directly for the most part. And there's one thing I've noticed that we've talked about earlier. Why are all the bird Pokemon so heavy? Uh, it's the bane of my existence. I, I, real quick, I'm mean, going to have to flex my minor bird knowledge. The heaviest flying bird's like the, uh, it's like a Bustard or something, right? Yeah, Cory Bustard. Cory Bustard. How big is that feller? They top out at about 44 pounds. So that's like a Pelipper, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, the heaviest pelicans can get up in the 20 to 30 range. But, but like, I think Pelipper's weight is that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pelipper's weight is that, and Pelipper's wings are tiny. Like, or Pelipper's wings are ridiculous. Swallow, swallow might be, like, 40 pounds. I think Swallow's, like, 23 or something. It's still, it's still bonkers. Like, it's a bonkers weight for a bird that's shaped that way. Yeah. 
and that small. No, no, Swell, Swellow is 43 pounds. <laughs> oh my god. That's ridiculous. For his body shape, a Bustard's like, yeah, a Bustard's like a, it's their kind of turkey body archetype, right? They're real stocky fellers. Yeah, turkey is a good comparison point. Okay. Like, they, oh. they can fly technically. They are not masters of the air. Right. So, All right, yeah. so go ahead, Dan. are way too heavy. Yeah, I, I got a question. Mm-hmm. If, if like, Game Freak could, you know, if we could add migration to the game somehow, what, what, what do you think that would look like? That would be so cool. Like, Pokemon Go kind of has a thing they call migration, which is that, like, Pokemon nests move around. But it's it's really not migration, because it's not seasonal, and it's not between two distinct areas. It's so. more like nomadism, or whatever you call it, right? Exactly, yeah. It's it's nomadic behavior. But Everyone uh, if they could add support in- tickets, let them know change the name <laughs> uh if they could uh add it into the main series games though that'd be awesome i think certain pokemon would only be available in certain seasons um and then they would fly off to like other regions presumably uh i think it'd be cool because you know animal crossing does that like the fish and the bugs you can catch change with yeah. the season like it's got an integrated calendar so it's not wasn't that kind of like that in black and white there was a black and white thing. Had- yeah, they did. And they did it a little with like Sawsbuck to get the I different... Say, I, but I thought there were certain Pokemon that were only available in certain seasons. I thought so. Was that the case? I thought huh. so. It might have been. Like, I believe yeah, I'm, it. I just... I'm pretty sure. Then as far as I'm concerned, they've already done it. Well, I was like... just curious, like, like if there was a way to like, yeah, like really, especially now that we have overworld mons. Yeah, uh, like maybe bird Pokemon that are only available as like passage migrants, as we call them, yes, which is a bird that yeah. doesn't like it doesn't breed where you live and it doesn't winter where you live. It just passes through for like a couple weeks out of the year. That's like yes. Arctic ferns uh, in Florida. They just kind of like exactly. show up. Yeah, they're they're only around briefly. So there's that like you know a few weeks a year. It's like oh if if you want your Arctic turn Pokemon, like you got to catch it this week or they're going to be gone until next year. That's what I was curious about. Like I like something like that sounds really cool. It'd be an event. I think people would dig it. Well, and you could. You could make it an event, 100%. People would be really excited. Especially if it was, like, one that was coded into the game, but, like, purposely is... Because now that everything's online, like, you can... Like, the way they do the raids. Yeah. You could easily do that. I think like, that'd oh, be totally if you go to the wild area for this week only, this will be the only time the entire year you can catch Blurp Blurp. That's my favorite That's an one. awesome Pokemon name. Blurp Blurp. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are some out there that are just as good. <laughs> I mean, Muck needs like a third stage evolution, right? Yes. Well, right. Okay, anyway, one more last question. So if you could add a migratory bird into the game, what would it be and why? Uh, I sense there's a lot of hummingbird love here. I think hummingbirds would be a cool choice, but my my wish would be for a nighthawk or a, a yeah. caprimalhead of some kind, one of the goat suckers, like a whippoorwill. Um, oh, wait, are night jars part of those too? Or Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, the first time I saw a Nightjar, we were spotlighting for alligators, but I saw these glowing eyes, and I thought it was the Mothman flying around. So, 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 what, what, what are these animals for those of us who don't know? Yeah, they're they're a nocturnal group of birds that are you you see pictures of them online a lot, especially the Potu, which is like their kind of tropical representative. Yeah, they look like a Muppet with these huge eyes and big gaping mouths, and otherwise they just kind of look like a dead tree limb, like a brown, broken sort of stump or something. Uh, but they've, they, they're they they're nocturnal. They're bug eaters. They're basically like giant nocturnal swallows. So they make their living by by catching bugs out of the air, just eating them with their huge gaping mouths giant and seeing mouths. them with their giant creepy eyes. But Riverwell has the super iconic call, too. Yeah, whippoorwills have a a very vocal. They, they're very vocal, and that their call sounds like someone saying "whip poor will, whip poor will" over and over again, which is how where the name comes from. But there's also a lot of folklore attached to whippoorwills. Uh, people in New England thought that they were 
psychopomp that they would like escort souls to the afterlife. And if you heard the whippoorwill crying outside your window, it was waiting for you to die. And then if you saw them flying around in the moonlight, they were catching people's souls to take them to the hereafter. So I think that'd be a really badass, like flying ghost type. Or yeah, flying ghost type. yeah, we yeah. need more of those. No, a flying uh, ghost type. Like we, that would be so cool. Drift Blim is just yeah. sitting there being a blimp. We need a cool bird. Yeah, yeah. and like also Sensu or Corio. Yeah, but Oreo Corio is whatever. All right, I, I would real, really love a viable flying ghost type nightjar. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Real quick, do I just think they're super sweet and we have a lot of them around me. Do frigate birds migrate? Because I would like to have a frigate bird in the game either way, but I think they're super cool. Yeah, frigate birds, uh, they're they're like albatrosses. They wander. They, they, they kind of wander they migrate, the ocean. They just kind of move around. Okay. They they do always return to like a breeding colony. Gotcha. Uh, so they, they're kind of migratory in that way, but they don't have like a they're they're amazing flyers. They can fly ridiculously high up in the air, like higher than we thought birds could even survive being where the air is so thin. They're really amazing. Yeah, they're we have the uh, like the magnificence by us. And my buddy, the, he was first time in Florida. He saw us. He's like, "Is that the angel of death flying above me?" <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah, but I just looked up nighthawks. They're badass. I highly support that we get those. Okay. If our fans wanted to find out more about you or your work, where could they do so? Uh, yeah, if you if you are interested in me and my work, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Kestrel Capers. Kestrel like the bird, capers with a K, because like alliteration is cute, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I support it. I'm about it. Alliteration. There you go. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it was great, great having you on. I appreciate you taking time out of your night here, uh, Doctor Cam. Oh, thank you thank so much you. for having me. Thank you for no, coming out. It was out. great. Yes. We will uh, we'll talk to you another time. Awesome. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Well, that was for the birds. Hey. <laughs> Quality joke. Yeah. Anyways, that was fun. What a great interview. I genuinely didn't know what half of those uh, birds you guys were talking about were. You know, he was talking with me before we recorded. We were waiting for you. And he was like, I was telling him, I was like, I can't do these animal episodes. I, was, I said, I, I just don't know enough. He's like, oh, you should give yourself more credit. Like, you sound like you know plenty. And I was like, I don't know half of what you think I know. <laughs> I knew of like three of the birds you mentioned. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm glad I was able to talk about them. I, I like the birds. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. Uh, so thank you guys for coming out. Please follow us on Twitter if you have not already done so. Find us on Facebook at Pokey Science. You can find us on Patreon. Thank you to all our Patreon supporters. I have another prize coming out to you guys soon. Please come pick up your prizes. <laughs> yes, get them. Yeah, we'll have prizes. Also, if anyone wants um wants to play in the tournament this week and wants to wants to team build or wants some help, I've got a bunch of various degrees of like insanity teams that. Used. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, drcheckvgc, or on the Pokey Science, or through Patreon or whatever. I'll give you teams because um, I have to commentate and I can't play. So get teams. I mean, you could play. Just get it's going to get really weird at some point. Yeah. Well, if I have to do top cut, but also commentate other people's top cut and commentate and the other thing, I don't think I can play in it. Commentate your own top cut. <laughs> right now, I'm feeling like. I should have done this, but I don't. Don, the most handsome and majestic player in all of EGC history. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Seriously, uh, we appreciate it. Please tell one friend, share the show, uh, and give it a five-star review on iTunes. 
or wherever you uh, subscribe to the show. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Mm-hmm.